Chapter Nineteen of Alice of Old Vincennes by Maurice Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Nineteen. The attack. It has already been mentioned that Indians arriving singly or in squads to report at Hamilton's headquarters were in the habit of firing their guns before entering the town or the fort, not only as a signal of their approach, but in order to rid their weapons of their charges preliminary to cleaning them before setting out upon another scalp-hunting expedition a shot therefore or even a volley heard on the outskirts of the village was not a noticeable incident in the daily and nightly experience of the garrison still for some reason governor hamilton started violently when just after nightfall five or six rifles cracked sharply a short distance from the stockade he and helm with two other officers were in the midst of a game of cards while a kettle swinging on a crane in the ample fireplace sang a shrill promise of hot applejack toddy by jove exclaimed farnsworth who although not in the game was amusing himself with looking on you jump like a fine lady i almost fancied i heard a bullet hit you you may all jump while you can remarked helm that's clark and your time's short you'll have this fort tumbling on your heads before daylight of to-morrow morning comes as he spoke he arose from his seat at the card-table and went to look after the toddy which as an expert he had under supervision hamilton frowned the mention of clark was disturbing ever since the strange disappearance of lieutenant barlow he had nursed the fear that possibly clark's scouts had captured him and that the american forces might be much nearer than kaskaskia besides his nerves were unruly as they had been ever since the encounter with father beret and his vision persisted in turning back upon the accusing cold face of alice lying in the moonlight one little detail of that scene almost maddened him at times it was a sheeny crinkled wisp of warm-looking hair looped across the cheek in which he had often seen a saucy dimple dance when alice spoke or smiled he was bad enough but not wholly bad and the thought of having darkened those merry eyes and stilled those sweet dimples tore through him with a cold rasping pang just as soon as this toddy is properly mixed and tempered said helm with a magnetic jocosity beaming from his genial face i'm going to propose a toast to the banner of alice Ossillon, which a whole garrison of british braves has been unable to take if you do i'll blow a hole through you as big as the south door of hell said hamilton in the voice fairly shaken to a husky quaver with rage you may do a great many insulting things but not that helm was in a half-stooping attitude with a ladle in one hand a cup in the other he had met hamilton's glowering look with a peculiarly innocent smile as if to say what in the world is the matter now i never felt in a better humour in all my life can't you take a joke i wonder he did not speak however for a rattling volley of musket and rifle shots hit the top of the clay-daubed chimney sending down into the toddy a shower of soot and dirt in a wink every man was on his feet and staring gentlemen said helm with an impressive oath that is clark's soldiers and they will take your fort but they ought not to have spoiled this apple toddy oh the devil said hamilton forcibly resuming a calm countenance it is only a squad of drunken indians coming in we'll forego excitement there's no battle on hand gentlemen i'm glad you think so governor hamilton helm responded but i should imagine that i ought to know the crack of a kentucky rifle i've heard one occasionally in my life besides i got a whiff of freedom just now captain helm is right observed farnsworth 
that is an attack another volley this time nearer and more concentrated convinced hamilton that he was indeed at the opening of a fight even while he was giving some hurried orders to his officers a man was wounded at one of the portholes then came a series of yells answered by a ripple of sympathetic french shouting that ran through the town the patrol guards came straggling in breathless with excitement they swore to having seen a thousand men marching across the water-covered meadows hamilton was brave the approach of danger stirred him like a trumpet strain his fighting blood rose to full tide and he gave his orders with the steadiness and commanding force of a born soldier the officers hastened to their respective positions on all sides sounds indicative of rapid preparations for the fight mingled into a confused strain of military energy men marched to their places cannon were wheeled into position and soon enough the firing began in good earnest late in the afternoon a rumour of clark's approach had gone abroad through the village but not a french lip breathed it to a friend of the british the creoles were loyal to the cause of freedom moreover they cordially hated hamilton and their hearts beat high at the prospect of a change in masters at the fort every cabin had its hidden gun and supply of ammunition despite the order to disarm issued by hamilton there was a hustling to bring these forth which was accompanied with a guarded yet irrepressible chattering delightfully french and infinitely volatile tiens je vais frotter mon fusil j'ai vu un singe said jacques bourci to his daughter the pretty adrienne who was coming out of the room in which alice lay i saw a monkey just now i must rub up my gun he could not be solemn not he the thought of an opportunity to get even with hamilton was like wine in his blood if you had seen those hardy and sinewy frenchmen gliding in the dusk of evening from cottage to cottage passing the word that the americans had arrived saying airy things and pinching one another as they met and hurried on you would have thought something very amusing and wholly jocund was in preparation for the people of vincennes there was a current belief in the town that gaspard roussillon never missed a good thing and always somehow got the lion's share he went out with the ebb to return on the flood nobody was surprised therefore when he suddenly appeared in the midst of his friends armed to the teeth and emotionally warlike to suit the occasion of course he took charge of everybody and everything you could have heard him whisper a bowshot away taison he hissed whenever he met an acquaintance we will surprise the fort and scalp the whole garrison aux armes les américains viennent d'arriver at his own house he knocked and called in vain he shook the door violently for he was thinking of the stores under the floor of the grimy bottles of the fragrant bordeaux ah his throat how it throbbed but where was madame roussillon where was alice jean jean he cried forgetting all precaution come here you scamp and let me in this minute a profoundly impressive silence gave him to understand that his home was deserted chief frightened and gone to stay with madame godère i suppose and i so thirsty bah hum hum après le vin la bataille zif he kicked in the door and groped his way to the liquors while he hastily swigged and smacked he heard the firing begin with a crackling desultory volley he laughed jovially there in the dark between draughts and deep sighs of enjoyment et moi aussi he murmured like the vast murmur of the sea i want to be in that dance pardonnez messieurs moi je veux danser s'il vous plaît and when he had filled himself he plunged out and rushed away wrought up to the extreme fighting pitch of temper 
diable if he could but come across that lieutenant barlow how he would smash him and mangle him in magnifying his prowess with the lens of imagination he swelled and puffed as he lumbered along the firing sounded as if it were between the fort and the river but presently when one of hamilton's cannon spoke m roussillon saw the yellow spike of flame from its muzzle leap directly toward the church and he thought it best to make a wide detour to avoid going between the firing lines once or twice he heard the whine of a stray bullet high overhead before he had gone very far he met a man hurrying toward the fort it was captain francis maisonville one of hamilton's chief scouts who had been out on a reconnaissance and cut off from his party by some of clark's forces was trying to make his way to the main gate of the stockade m roussillon knew maisonville as a somewhat desperate character a leader of indian forays and a trader in human scalps surely the fellow was a legitimate prey zif diable de gredin he snarled and leaping upon him choked him to the ground je vais vous scalper immediatement clark's plan of approach showed masterly strategy lieutenant bailey with fourteen regulars made a show of attack on the east while major bowman led a company through the town on a line near where main street in vincennes is now located to a point north of the stockade charleville a brave creole who was at the head of some daring fellows by a brilliant dash got position under cover of a natural terrace at the edge of the prairie opposite the fort's southwestern angle lieutenant beverly in whom the commander placed highest confidence was sent to look for a supply of ammunition and to gather up all the frenchmen in the town who wished to join in the attack oncle jason and ten other available men went with him they all made a great noise when they felt that the place was completely invested nor can we deny much as we would like to the strong desire for vengeance which raised those shouting voices and nerved those steady hearts to do or die in an undertaking which certainly had a desperate look patriotism of the purest strain those men had and that alone would have borne them up but the recollection of smouldering cabin homes in kentucky of women and children murdered and scalped of men brave and true burned at the stake and of all the indescribable outrages of indian warfare incited and rewarded by the commander of the fort yonder added to patriotism the terrible urge of that dark passion which clamours for blood to quench the fire of wrath not a few of those wet half-frozen emaciated soldiers of freedom had experienced the soul-rending shock of returning from a day's hunting in the forest to find home in ashes and loved ones brutally murdered and scalped or dragged away to unspeakable outrage under circumstances too harrowing for description the bare thought of which turns our blood cold even at this distance now the opportunity had arrived for a stroke of retaliation the thought was tremendously stimulating beverly with the aid of oncle jason was able to lead his little company as far as the church before the enemy saw him here a volley from the nearest angle of the stockade had to be answered and pretty soon a cannon began to play upon the position we can do better some else was oncle jason's laconic remark flung back over his shoulder as he moved briskly away from the spot just swept by a six-pounder come this your way lieutenant i hear some of the fellers a-talkin loud just beyond le grasse's place there ain't no sort o sense a tryin to hit anything a-shootin in the dark no how when they reached the thick of the town there was a strange stir in the dusky streets men were slipping from house to house arming themselves and joining their neighbours clark had sent an order earlier in the evening forbidding any street demonstration by the inhabitants but he might as well have ordered the wind not to blow or the river to stand still 
oncle jason knew every man whose outlines he could see or whose voice he heard he called each one by name here roger Pauline. come louis alphonse victor octave venez ici here's the american army come with me his rapid french phrases leaped forth as if shot from a pistol and his shrill voice familiar to every ear in vincennes drew the creole militiamen to him and soon beverly's company had doubled its numbers while at the same time its enthusiasm and ability to make a noise had increased in a far greater proportion in accordance with an order from clark they now took position near the northeast corner of the stockade and began firing although in the darkness there was but little opportunity for marksmanship oncle jason had found citizens legrasse and bosseron and through them clark's men were supplied with ammunition of which they stood greatly in need their powder having got wet during their long watery march by nine o'clock the fort was completely surrounded and from every direction the riflemen and musketeers were pouring in volley after volley beverly with his men took the cover of a fence in some houses sixty yards from the stockade here to their surprise they found themselves below the line of hamilton's cannon which being planted on the second floor of the fort could not be sufficiently depressed to bear upon them a well-directed musket fire however fell from the loopholes of the blockhouses the bullets rattling merrily against the cover behind which the attacking forces lay beverly was thinking of alice during every moment of all this stir and tumult he feared that she might still be a prisoner in the fort exposed to the very bullets that his men were discharging at every crack and cranny of those loosely constructed buildings should he ever see her again would she care for him what would be the end of all this terrible suspense those remote forebodings of evils formless shadowy ineffable which have harried the lover's heart since time began crowded all pleasant anticipations out of his mind clark in passing hurriedly from company to company around the line stopped for a little while when he found beverly have you plenty of ammunition was his first inquiry a mighty sight more'n we can see to shoot with spoke up oncle jason it's a right smart a dad burn foolishness to be wasting it on nothing seems like to me at we'd better set the dastard fort afire and smoke the skunks out speak when you are spoken to my man said the colonel a trifle hotly and trying by a sharp scrutiny to make him out in the gloom where he crouched ventre bleu i'm not asking you colonel clark nor no other man when i shall speak i talks whenever i gets ready and i shoots just the same way so ye'd better go on bout your business like a white man close up your own whopper-jawed mouth if ye want anything shut up ho oh, oh, ho is that you jason you're so little i didn't know you certainly talk your whole damned underjaw off for all i care clark replied assuming a jocose tone then turning to beverly keep up the firing and the noise the fort will be ours in the morning what's the use of waiting till morning beverly demanded with impatience we can tear that stockade to pieces with our hands in half an hour i don't think so lieutenant it is better to play for the sure thing keep up the racket and be ready for em if they rush out we must not fail to capture the hare buyer general he passed on with something cheerful to say whenever he found a squad of his devoted men he knew how to humour and manage those independent and undisciplined yet heroically brave fellows what to see and hear what to turn aside as a joke what to insist upon with inflexible mastery he knew by the fine instantaneous sense of genius 
there were many men of oncle jason's caste true as steel but refractory as flint who could not be dominated by any person no matter of what stamp or office to them an order was an insult but a suggestion pleased and captured them strange as it may seem theirs was the conquering spirit of america the spirit which has survived every turn of progress and built up the great body of our independence beverly submitted to clark's plan with what patience he could and all night long fired shot for shot with the best riflemen in his squad it was a fatiguing performance with apparently little result beyond forcing the garrison now and again to close the embrasures thus periodically silencing the cannon toward the close of the night a relaxation showed itself in the shouting and firing all round the line beverly's men especially the creoles held out bravely in the matter of noise but even they flagged at length their volatility simmering down to desultory bubbling and half sleepy chattering and chafing beverly leaned upon a rude fence and for a time neglected to reload his hot rifle of course he was thinking of alice he really could not think in any other direction but it gave him a shock and a start when he presently heard her name mentioned by a little frenchman near him on the left there'll never be another such girl in post vincennes as alice Roussillon, the fellow said in the soft creole patois and to think of her being shot like a dog and by a man who calls himself a governor too said another and as for myself i'm in favour of burning him alive when we capture him that's me et moi aussi chimed in a third voice that poor girl must be avenged the men who shot her must die holy virgin but if gaspard roussillon were only here but he is here i saw him just after dark he was in great fighting temper that terrible man oof but i should not like to be the colonel hamilton and fall in the way of that gaspard roussillon morbleu i should say not you may leave me out of a chance like that i shouldn't mind seeing gaspard handle the governor though ah that would be too good he'd pay him up for shooting mademoiselle alice beverly could scarcely hold himself erect by the fence the smoky foggy landscape swam round him heavy and strange he uttered a groan which brought oncle jason to his side in a hurry qu'avez-vous what's the matter the old man demanded with quick sympathy have they hit ye lieutenant air ye hurt much beverly did not hear the old man's words did not feel his kindly touch alice alice he murmured dead dead yes drawled oncle jason i hearn about it soon as i got into town it's a sorry thing a mighty sorry thing but maybe i won't do a little something to that beverly straightened himself and lifted his gun forgetting that he had not reloaded it since firing last he levelled it at the fort and touched the trigger simultaneously with his movement an embrasure opened and a cannon flashed its roar flanked on either side by a crackling of british muskets some bullets struck the fence and flung splinters into oncle jason's face a cannon-ball knocked a ridge-pole from the roof of a house hard by and set it whirling through the air ventre bleu et après what the devil next better knock a feller's eyes out the old man cried i ain't a-doin nothin to ye he capered around rubbing his leathery face after the manner of a scalded monkey beverly was struck in the breast by a flattened and spent ball that glanced from a fence picket the shock caused him to stagger and drop his gun but he quickly picked it up and turned to his companion are you hurt oncle jason he inquired 
are you hurt not a bit just scare most into a duck feet thought a cannon-ball had knocked my whole dang face down my throat nothing but a handful of splinters in my porty countenance making my head feel like a porcupine but i sort of thought i heard a thumpin give you a diff something did hit me said beverly laying a hand on his breast but i don't think it was a bullet they seem to be getting our range at last tell the men to keep well under cover they must not expose themselves until we are ready to charge the shock had brought him back to his duty as a leader of his little company and with the funeral bell of all his life's happiness tolling in his agonized heart he turned afresh to directing the fire upon the blockhouse about this time a runner came back from clark with an order to cease firing and let a returning party of british scouts under captain lamotte re-enter the fort unharmed a strange order it seemed to both officers and men but it was implicitly obeyed clark's genius here made another fine strategic flash he knew that unless he let the scouts go back into the stockade they would escape by running away and might possibly organize an army of indians with which to succor hamilton but if they were permitted to go inside they could be captured with the rest of the garrison hence his order a few minutes passed in dead silence then captain lamotte and his party marched close by where beverly's squad was lying concealed it was a difficult task to restrain the creoles for some of them hated lamotte oncle jason squirmed like a snake while they filed past all unaware that an enemy lurked so near when they reached the fort ladders were put down for them and they began to clamber over the wall crowding and pushing one another in wild haste oncle jason could hold in no longer yeah 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 he yelled look out the ladder is a-fallin with ye then all the lurking crowd shouted as one man and sure enough down came a ladder men and all in a crashing heap silence silence beverly commanded but he could not check the wild jeering and laughing while the bruised and frightened scouts hastily erected their ladder again fairly tumbling over one another in their haste to ascend and so clear the wall falling into the stockade to join the garrison ventre bleu shrieked uncle jason they've gone to bed but we'll wake em up at the crack o day and give em a breakfast o hot lead now the fighting was resumed with redoubled spirit and noise and when morning came affording sufficient light to bring out the bead sights on the kentucky rifles the matchless marksmen in clark's band forced the british to close the embrasures and entirely ceased trying to use their cannon but the fight with small arms went merrily on until the middle of the forenoon meantime gaspard roussillon had tied francis maisonville's hands fast and hard with the strap of his bullet pouch now i'll scalp you he said in a rumbling tone terrible to hear and with his words out came his hunting-knife from its sheath oh have mercy my dear monsieur roussillon cried the panting captive have mercy merci yes like your colonels that's what you'll get you stand by that forban that scélérat that bandit and help him oh yes you'll get merci yes the same merci that he showed to my poor alice your scalp monsieur if you please a small matter it won't hurt much but for the sake of old friendship gaspard for the sake zif poor little alice but i swear to you that i to the même monsieur je vais vous scalper maintenant 
in fact he had taken off a part of maisonville's scalp when a party of soldiers among whom was maisonville's brother a brave fellow and loyal to the american cause were attracted by his cries and came to his rescue m roussillon struggled savagely insisting upon completing his cruel performance but he was at last overpowered partly by brute force and partly by the pleading of maisonville's brother and made to desist the big man wept with rage when he saw the bleeding prisoner protected eh bien i'll keep what i've got he roared and i'll take the rest of it next time he shook the tuft of hair at maisonville and glared like a mad bull two or three other members of lamotte's band were captured about the same time by some of the french militiamen and clark when on his round cheering and directing his forces discovered that these prisoners were being used as shields some young creoles gay with drink and the stimulating effect of fight had bound the poor fellows and were firing from behind them of course the commander promptly put an end to this cruelty but they considered it exquisite fun while it lasted it was in broad daylight and they knew that the english in the fort could see what they were doing it's shameful to treat prisoners in this way said clark i will not permit it shoot the next man that offers to do such a thing one of the creole youths a handsome swarthy adonis in buckskin tossed his shapely head with a debonair smile and said to be sure mon colonel but what have they been doing to us we have amused them all winter it's but fair that they should give us a little fun now clark shrugged his broad shoulders and passed on he understood perfectly what the people of vincennes had suffered under hamilton's brutal administration at nine o'clock an order was passed to cease firing and a flag of truce was seen going from clark's headquarters to the fort it was a peremptory demand for unconditional surrender hamilton refused and fighting was fiercely resumed from behind rude breastworks meantime erected every loophole and opening of whatever sort was the focus into which the unerring backwood rifles sent their deadly bullets men began to fall in the fort and every moment hamilton expected an assault in force on all sides of the stockade this if successful would mean inevitable massacre clark had warned him of the terrible consequences of holding out until the worst should come for said he in his note to the governor if i am obliged to storm you may depend upon such treatment as is justly due to a murderer historians have wondered why hamilton became so excited and acted so strangely after receiving the note the phrase justly due to a murderer is the key to the mystery when he read it his heart sank and a terrible fear seized him justly due to a murderer ah that calm white beautiful girlish face dead in the moonlight with a wisp of shining hair across it such treatment as is justly due to a murderer cold drops of sweat broke out on his forehead and a shiver went through his body during the truce clark's weary yet still enthusiastic besiegers enjoyed a good breakfast prepared for them by the loyal dames of vincennes little adrienne boursier was one of the handmaidens of the occasion she brought to beverly's squad a basket almost as large as herself heaped with high roasted duck and warm wheaten bread while another girl bore two huge jugs of coffee fragrant and steaming hot the men cheered them lustily and complimented them without reserve so that before their service was over their faces were glowing with delight and yet adrienne's heart was uneasy and full of longing to hear something of rené de ronville surely some one of her friends must know something about him and there was oncle jason doubtless he could tell her all that she wanted to know 
she lingered after the food was distributed and shyly inquired ain't seed the scamp said oncle jason only he used the patois most familiar to the girl's ear keeled and skelped long ago i reckon his mouth was so full that he spoke mumblingly and with utmost difficulty nor did he glance at adrienne whose face took on as great pallor as her brown complexion could show beverly ate but little of the food he sat apart on a piece of timber that projected from the rough breastwork and gave himself over to infinite misery of spirit which was trebled when he took alice's locket from his bosom only to discover that the bullet which had struck him almost entirely destroyed the face of the miniature he gripped the dinted and twisted case and gazed at it with the stare of a blind man his heart almost ceased to beat and his breath had the rustling sound we hear when a strong man dies of a sudden wound somehow the defacement of the portrait was taken by his soul as the final touch of fate signifying that alice was for ever and completely obliterated from his life he felt a blur pass over his mind he tried in vain to recall the face and form so dear to him he tried to imagine her voice but the whole universe was a vast hollow silence for a long while he was cold staring rigid then the inevitable collapse came and he wept as only a strong man can who is hurt to death yet cannot die adrienne approached him thinking to speak to him about rene but he did not notice her and she went her way leaving beside him a liberal supply of food End of chapter nineteen